Hey, my name is Anika Chabra, and you're listening to Root and Seed, a podcast about tradition seekers who are sparked to explore, define, and celebrate their family and cultural identity. Okay, it's time for some straight talk. Root and Seed co-founder Jen and I are on our own journeys to reclaim and understand our family backgrounds. We aren't here to tell you how to invite in culture and definitely not here to tell you if you should do it at all. We do, however, find it so inspiring to hear how others are honoring their cultures and heritage and the variety of stories and learning that that yields. There's no playbook or right way. Last week, Sophia left us with the notion that something is better than nothing, and we couldn't agree more. On the other hand, Sophia's journey inspired us to think about our lived experiences and the differences between the culture you've been told about, read about, learned about, versus the one you've uniquely lived. That inspiration brings us to this week's episode. In this conversation, we are introduced to the idea of cultural tourism, where we live in a world where we have easy access to watch a YouTube video about virtually any culture of any country in the world. You can seek out any ethnic recipe in the touch of a button, find countless holiday crafting and decorating ideas on Pinterest, and watch how social influencers celebrate their festivals with their own special flair. Was it just me or did anyone else experience serious FOMO from the Lily Singh, Mina Harris, Jay Shetty, Chrissy Teigen Diwali parties? Okay, well maybe it was just me. I digress. The point is the internet is making culture a far smaller place to navigate. What if we considered the idea that in order to truly honor our family stories, heritage and traditions, we need to know what makes our story unique? That sentiment is underscored by this week's guest, John, a highly introspective and insightful person who has explored his relationship with culture as a biracial child of parents with Jamaican and Irish Scottish descent. John doesn't let race or location define him. And now as a father of a baby boy with a woman who enjoys a rich Jewish heritage, we loved hearing about how John has learned to appreciate his unique story. I started off by asking John what influences make up his cultural background, and in true form, his response was anything but straightforward. Well, I, I think that's I think that's a really particularly interesting question because I, I feel like people want really succinct answers to cultural background, and I can't really give one. And when I try to give a succinct answer, people like to argue it with me. Like when you look at me walking down the street, it's pretty clear I'm not white. And so I get the standard question that a lot of people get when you're when you're not white or ethnically ambiguous. I, I get a lot of like, what are you? And I, I can happily explain that, you know, my father is of white Canadian background. My mother is uh, a black Jamaican woman. But it's uh, it, it's hard to like distill that into a singular thing. People like saying, uh, oh, so you're mixed and that encapsulates things. But that's it's it's a really simple word for any countless number of combinations of different cultures and backgrounds. So I'd say my upbringing was really heavily influenced by the fact that my mother is from a large Jamaican-Canadian family that's uh, still quite connected to the Jamaican roots. But also, I mean, my my father's parents, who I was very close with, and my father kind of like very Canadian. And I don't mean Canadian in terms of Canadian stereotypes, but like their identity was really rooted in Canada because they had been here for multiple generations and never really lived anywhere else. When I attempt to like represent my opinion as a person who is Black, who comes across as Black, people will point out to me that I'm half white as a way of kind of denigrating that opinion. 
And similarly, if I try to approach something from a perspective of like, I, I know and grow, grew up around and am white people to an extent, there's, there's a reminder that I don't fully fit into that group. So it's interesting in large part because people try to break things down into a place of like cultural homogeny for simplification. It like falls into this, this behavior of tribalism where people want to be able to say, you know, you are X and you are Y, and therefore you can speak for these groups. But the, the reality is all of these boundaries are super, super blurry. Like uh, I'm kind of going back to like first year sociology at this point. But when Stuart Hall refers to race as a floating signifier in his work, it's a, uh, it's a thing that needs to be considered because the context is always different and there's no clear definitions. All of this stuff is kind of made up and yet it's hugely important in terms of lived experience. So I think I've always felt like connected and proud of different areas of my cultural background. From, from like a, a global pop cultural perspective, it's hard not to be proud of having a Jamaican background. It's, it's this tiny island that's had this massive outsized influence and some of, it's, some of it's really like misrepresented. There are a lot of things to be proud of and it's a culture that has sent a lot of really fantastic people with pride of place kind of out into the world to make a difference. I was kind of proud without really understanding it because like fundamentally there's a big difference between being a person of like 50% Jamaican descent growing up in GTA suburbs versus being a person actually from Jamaica. And so getting like a, a big breakthrough moment for me was probably, I want to say like 26 or 27, I'm probably doing the math wrong. I, I believe it was around the 50th anniversary of when my mother and her siblings first emigrated to Canada, the whole family went back to Jamaica. And I got to, for the only time in my life, I got to go see where my mom actually grew up. And I got to drive up these very scary mountain roads, like tiny one lane whipping back and forth. My uncle driving incredibly comfortable because he's the one who's lived there the most out of, uh, out of all of the siblings. But I actually got to see the main road and the town and the church and the house that my mother grew up in. It's interesting how you can hear stories about something and like not picture it adequately. Like everything gets filtered through your own experience. So when you're a kid and someone says house, you basically insert your own house into a different setting. And it, it was eye-opening and inspiring and also kind of humbling just to get to see where where my mother and her family had come from and how far she had come and the things she had accomplished from what were relatively humble but happy beginnings. It's easy to get a sense of like the broader cultural things that are shared between you and family and getting to spend time with people. And like I'm I'm very lucky that my mother well, we have a large family, but my mother has a lot of brothers and sisters. And so I have a lot of cousins. And then, you know, we kind of fall into the traditional Caribbean definition of cousin, which is we've known this person for more than a year or two, and we like them a lot. I, I definitely have cousins that I didn't know were blood relatives until I was in my 20s. But like, I, I got to grow up with a large community and get a lot of a lot of immersion in that culture and a lot of a lot of opportunities to kind of experience and understand it. But I don't think I had the correct context until I went on that trip and actually got to see where a lot of that had began for us. Well, one of the things that's interesting is like being being a child of people from different cultures and different backgrounds, there's not really like alternate versions where my story comes to pass. My father had to be adopted by the family he was adopted by. Ignoring the fact that his father needed to be adopted by the family that he was adopted by. His father needed to be adopted by the family that he was adopted by because it was three generations of adoption in a row. But like my mother's family also needed to decide to come to Canada. To a certain extent, absolutely everyone is a completely infinitesimal probability. Like a million things need to go right. But the thing that's kind of been consistently instilled in me in my life is just, uh, you know, recognizing the role of luck and recognizing the way that, uh, you know, one or two things going right for you in your life can really be the primary contributing factor to you having the wonderful life you have today. 
John's story had us wondering about all the sliding door moments that occurred in one's family's history. The dozens of generations of grandparents meeting and marrying, the decades in one country and then the countless immigrations, the serendipitous glance on a bridge or a lucky introduction. All of those things needed to have happened in order for today to happen, and the role of luck in it all. Fascinating. A fun fact about our platform, when we started, we thought we might just focus on the so-called dominant cultures in North America to start. And then after researching and speaking to people, we realized that culture as experienced in North America is far too multidimensional for us to simply categorize. And John's story is a great example of that. Next, John and I talk about the nuances of culture and the nuances of individual family stories. You've been through the first few months of parenting where basically your entire life is upside down and you can barely like feed and clothe yourself. You're like, I'm taking care of this tiny person. It's the only thing in the world that matters. I'll shower next week. It'll all be okay. I remember my mom asked me what she could do. And the first thing that I basically asked was like, can you go to the good patty store and bring me patties? Because that's a thing I can make. I can eat it in less than 30 minutes. It'll be delicious. I know I'll like it. You know the right place to go. And like every person of Caribbean descent hearing this understands there's like, there's a bunch of places you could get patties, but there's the good patty place. And generally you have the relative, I bet good money, it's your mother who can help you get, (laughs) help you get the patties from the good patty place. And then later when I realized I'd been eating nothing but uh, starchy foods for months, my mom actually started making ackee and saltfish, which is like the Jamaican national dish. And I'm sure this is, this is a common experience for children and immigrants absolutely everywhere. But this is a dish I could buy from any of 150 places. It will never taste right unless my mother makes it. They have to be the way my mom makes it or it's just wrong. And even just having that as a thing, like, like that's the kind of thing that makes me feel connected. If you view culture as just kind of a genetic or an ancestral inheritance, then these nuances and these details don't really matter. It's this is who I am. This is where I'm from. I'm going to go to the store to buy X and that's fine. I'm not denigrating anyone going to a store. There are amazing stores where you can get cultural food of any type anywhere. But to to me, there's something different between the hands-on experience of being kind of raised and growing in a culture and the experience of kind of, okay, this this is going to sound more critical than I intended to, but I, I think there's a little bit of a trend towards almost kind of tourism within one's own culture. It's, I, I don't have the direct connection. We might be a couple of generations removed from the direct connection, but I'm going to play with some of the trappings. I'm going to reach out to these things. And like, I understand everyone does that to some degree with a lot of things, but I think anything you can do to preserve those kind of authentic nuanced connections that are the specific way your relatives or your family did a thing or does a thing, that feels more to me like preserving cultural connection than just kind of remembering a cultural association. I have to say that we super appreciate John providing us language on the importance and meaning of unique family ways of doing things, the so-called nuanced connections. And he does so in such a respectful way, we know we could all take a lot from it. To say that we don't all exhibit some tourism of culture is an overstatement, but wouldn't it be cool if we paused to intentionally capture and document what makes our family unique? Gosh, wish there was an app for that. Next, John shares a story about a typical family gathering in his diverse family household. The thing that I will say I miss more than anything else, and this is this is totally like pandemic paranoia talking and like missing out on those experiences but 
the thing that feels most like a, a traditional thing for my family is having a gathering or a get together, having slightly too many people there and having people two or three leaps away from the core family. Because it, it, like it, in, in my thinking and in my mind, a really traditional Canadian Thanksgiving, let's say, is to get together with your siblings and your parents and maybe, maybe grandparents and they'll have that table of like eight to 12 people and you got them all together. What, what feels for, for my family like, like a normal family get together is I'll have aunts and uncles and cousins and then like a good friend of a cousin who's been coming to family meals for years all coming and multiple people will bring food and it'll be, it'll be a mix of things like, like a standard, a standard Crowley family Thanksgiving. You'll have a turkey, but you'll also have jerk pork and curry goat and someone will bring like a, like a baked mac and cheese dish. And it's, those are the things like that, that literal melding of cultures and melding of traditions, the thing that feels most normal to me. And that extending the boundaries of family, like not just limiting family to this is a small group of people I share DNA with, but kind of expanding it to these are people who've been here. We had a baby shower. We had a couple of baby showers. And for one of them, a person I always call, or I always called Aunt Sharon when I was growing up, who's really just my Aunt Iris's really close friend. She came and brought uh, brought a book because books were kind of the theme, but brought a book for my son. The thing that's nice is I get to look through all of these books on his shelf because I'm reading him stories all the time because it's a thing I can do to calm him down even when he's in a terrible mood. And I get to see these little inscriptions from people who are my like my sisters, my parents, my in-laws, but also the, the friends and the family friends who've been part of my life for as long as I can remember. And that idea of your community and your family being broader than just those genetic bonds, I think that's a big thing. That's a big thing that feels, feels like the culture I grew up in and feels like the kind of culture I define. And honestly, part of me thinks maybe just Jamaican culture is particularly well-suited to adaptation to mixed-race families because Jamaica is a melting pot of a place and not in a pejorative way, but like literally the motto of the country is out of many, one people. Out of many, one people. Beautiful. John and I ended our conversation with a question from our newly launched web app. I asked him, is there a tradition that you look forward to celebrating with your family most? And this is what he said. Well, I think one of the things, and it's funny, this didn't occur to me until we started having this conversation. Every year for Christmas, my family makes cookies. And it's my father's mother's recipe. My grandmama would make cookies a specific way every year. And she taught my mother how to make the cookies and how my mother makes the cookies with, she used to make them with me and my sisters. Now she makes them with, uh, with the older grandkids, who range between about 12 and 20. This is a family tradition. It's a thing we do every year. We share these cookies with loved ones and you know, people are often jockeying to get extra hoodies. This is a thing that is, it, it is a family tradition that's kind of become a shared family tradition, even though initially this was, this was a thing that, uh, that my father's mother did. And it was a thing of hers that, like my mom still has the recipe card where my grandmother wrote down exactly what the steps are and how to do it. And I still see it when I go to her house uh, in the holiday season and cookies are being made. And things like that, those little cultural rituals, like that, that for me, the, those, those rituals, those moments to share is really like, that's much more what culture is to me than being able to give it a label or a description. It's having those shared moments that kind of unite the present of your family with the history of your family. 
Wow, John, what a fresh perspective on culture and honestly one that we find quite freeing of the stereotypes and conventions of the modern world. And the idea of the ripple effect that his grandmother created with the introduction of that one recipe warms our hearts. If you want to hear more about John's thoughts, he's actually a very successful strategist in advertising, and you can get the latest from him in his blog called A Benign Conspiracy, which we will be sure to link in the show notes. Next week, we speak to a beautiful soul named Janie who immigrated from Nigeria a few years ago as a student. She firmly believes that you need to know your roots to know where you're going. We had so much fun sharing stories and pride for our cultural backgrounds. Thanks for listening. Visit us at rootandseed.com to sign up for our newsletter and get access to our conversation tools so you can start learning and recording the stories that make your family unique. Root and Seed is hosted by me, Anika Chabra, executive produced by Jen Sarapong-Mandel and edited by Camille Blais.